and welcome to the Christmas edition of It's Your Money, the Mayor Brown Sword podcast. I'm Andrew Harrison, the snow on the mixing desk, chestnuts are roasting on an open iPad, and Andy Mayer's got his Santa outfit on. Hello, Andy. Happy Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, 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 ho. Yes. Are you mentally ready for Christmas? I'm always mentally ready for Christmas. I think we're all children at heart, so it's just another great excuse to celebrate. You're ready for Christmas in March, aren't you? Um <laughs> This time around, uh, it's been a tough old year for everyone, but we've all got through it. So we're going to take an optimistic look back at some of the hints and tips from Andy and our guests that have helped us ride the financial waves this year. Um, firstly, Andy, looking back over 2023, what's been what's been your verdict on the economy this year and what it's meant for savers and investors? I think for savers, it's been very good. If you've got money in cash, cash has paid excellent rates of returns. I think for investors, it's been quite a tough year. I think the difficulty this year has been that cash has paid so much has made people look at going to cash more than they should be. And cash, as you know, I always say is great for emergency money, rainy day money, holiday, short term deposits, but it'll never get you to yeah. goals. Um, Jeremy Hunt, we just had the mini budget, he announced uh, he claimed he'd lightened the tax burden. But overall, it's the highest since the war. So, I mean, what does, what does that mean for, uh, for, for the, the, the clients of the Mayor Brownsword universe? Well, I know personally, it doesn't appear that my tax has dropped. And I think for most of the people we look after, it doesn't appear their tax has dropped. So I don't know where he's got that figure from at all. I think the difficulty is with the tax burden is that the savers who have got money in cash look at it and go, I'm getting three, four, five, six percent. But when you're working, it appears your tax rates keep going up. And when you're looking at your inheritance tax, the allowances have got frozen. You're looking at savings rates. They've gone up. But for the majority of people listening to this, tax-wise, it doesn't appear we're better off. Uh, well, inflation is at least down from 10.7% in August to around 5% now. So, uh, you know, Rishi Sunak's at least got one of his pledges. What, 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 what are the positives that are doing the round at the moment? I think the, the, the declining of uh, inflation is excellent news. I mean, Swiss inflation is down to about 1.9. The European zones are dropping. Ours has lagged behind for various reasons, but equities do not like inflation above 5%. So with inflation starting to drop, it will make the investment world rosier next year. And also when you go shopping, you might actually feel like when you're going around your supermarket, someone is not chasing you around, just increasing prices as you're about to buy your lure pack butter for £5. So I think inflation dropping has been critical for the economic outlook for next year. One of our colleagues here just discovered the £4.50 half of Guinness the other day. <laughs> Have you ever heard of such a thing? Have you ever heard of such a thing, Andy? Near Glasgow, in Glasgow, on the way to Celtic Park, where you can still get Guinness for a pint at £3.50. Unfortunately, then have to go and watch Celtic lose in the Champions League. But the positive is the Guinness is cheap. OK, you and I, we're going to invest in a pipeline to pump that Guinness down to uh, England. <laughs> and we're going to make a fortune. Never mind all that. We, we, we can help the listeners take control. Let's have a look back at some of those hints and tips from the year of the podcast and from your newsletter and from all of the Mayor Brownsword stuff. Uh, we talked about how to screen out the noise that uh, confuses you and stops you making good decisions. We talked about why investing is a marathon, not a sprint, a recurring theme from you, Andy. We talked about how not to get carried away with AI. But one of the standouts for me was when we had behavioural economist Sarah Newcomb on and her insights about the three numbers, this golden ratio of how you can separate your spending into the past, as in debt payments on things you've bought, the present, your current living expenses, and the future, what you're saving. It simplifies everything in a big way. It's very handy because it simplifies, your, it simplifies your finances into an easily understood ratio and it's easy to work out because you just work out what you spent and what you are spending and you can see what you've got left. Tell, tell me why you, why you found this one so useful, Andy. 
I thought this was great because I'd read the article by Sarah, and I think so many of us get confused with what's my electricity bill and what my gas bill is, and you can spend hours overcomplicating it. The reality is, what are you spending on debt? Good debt it would be your mortgage and maybe your education. Bad debt would be credit cards. So what overall percentage of your income goes on debt? If it's, a bit for, if it's above 40%, you're in trouble. 30 to 40% is still left people now with when mortgage rates have gone up, struggling. So you try and get your debt down quicker. And then what are you saving for your future? Because if you expect to retire on two thirds of the salary you're earning now, are you edging towards Sarah's aim of 20%? And that I thought it made it very simple. What's in the past and what are you looking for for your future? I really liked it, simplicity. And I think it was a way of looking at what is costing you to live now and what can you save for your future? Yeah, so it works out that, say, for argument's sake, if you're earning £60,000 a year, if you are saving £500 a month, that's you're saving that much for the future. If your debt payments are £500 a month the past, then that gives you a kind of a, a golden ratio of 10 in the past, 10 in the future, and 80% consumed in the present. So basically all you have to do is yeah. add up what you're spending you know, from one bank statement to the next, isolate what's mortgage and what's, what's debt, and the rest is your saving rate, isn't it? Yeah, and it's so simple, yet it's so effective. Because if we all aim to get our savings rates up because we want a different future, and our aim should be when you're buying credit, you're paying for it. And if you have a mortgage over 25 years or 30 years, you look at how much interest you've paid. And if you look at what you pay on credit cards, so the simplest way of looking at it is, if I've got this debt, can I overpay it to clear it quicker? And I think it was such a great lesson for all of us. Why is 20% the appropriate number to uh, ensure you get that that kind of income? Because it should give you financial freedom. If you do it significantly, years ago when I started as a financial advisor, there was a rule. If you could save 10% of your salary for 40 years, you would be fine. Well, the reality is when you're slightly younger or you have families, there's points in your life you can't save as much. But if you can aim for that 20%, it gives you a target. And it, our experience is when we've cash flowed it for clients, if they do that for a 10 to 15 year period and they've saved 10% previously, they live the life that they want from 60. And it might be they want to go to work, but it might be that they want to work three days a week or fully retire, but it gives you more choices. Investment professionals, not yourself, Andy, you would never do this, but some of them kind of often present the world of, uh, of finance and saving as complex and subject to massively sophisticated algorithms, which the common person like me can't understand it. And I really like this because I could work this out myself just about. This is why I liked it. It was easy to explain. It's easy to understand. And sometimes we overcomplicate. There was a great expression, pay off your debt as quickly as you can and save for the future long term. And if we look yeah. at that, so we clear our debt as soon as we can and we don't keep extending credit and you save for the future, that's not rocket science. It's everyone can understand it. That's why I loved Sarah's presentation. It was about simplicity. What is your past? What is your present? And what is it costing you to live now? Really simple. Really useful at Christmas as well, because of course we can envisage the ghost of Christmas past. <laughs> who in Dickens is a jolly fellow, but the, the debt of the past is miserable, isn't it? It uh, is. Christmas, uh, Christmas presents and the ghost of Christmas future. Isn't in Dickens the ghost of Christmas future is a kind of starving child? So we should think about that. Don't be like that. Flip well, it round. But Andrew, people borrow money sometimes, and when it starts catching them up, you can see that it affects them in a lot of ways. Yeah. 
And it is about, but there's a great expression, you've got to plan for tomorrow, but you've also got to live for today. Well, that brings us to another really useful conversation that we had, which was uh, our guest Ryan Murphy from Morningstar with his hints about goal setting. He's a behavioral uh, economist. Uh, he, he talked about how people often start their investing journey without an idea of where they want to go. And also that how uh, emotion and often kind of fear governs what we do. What, what stuck with you from that conversation? I love the fact that Ryan just talked about what is your goal? So what is your long-term goal? So it might be to retire at 62. It might be to have savings at 62. But the short-term fluctuations of house prices or stock market should not impact of where you want to be. And I love the fact, and as you know, I'm a sport, I love sport. It was the year that Celtic had Ange Postacoglu, their first season. After six games, they were way behind Rangers, lost three games, and someone said, are you going to concede the title? And he went, the title isn't decided till May. Well, it was decided in April because Celtic had got so far ahead. But our long-term goals with money are what does it look like to be financially independent at a certain age? And the short-term fluctuations shouldn't impact because that's where people make mistakes. And I love the fact that Ryan just talks about what your goal is. Are you on target for your goal? But he also talked about how um, we we think we're rational, complete, <laughs> we, or we try to behave rationally. And actually... We're not. We're kind of driven by emotion and irrational things and almost, you know, sometimes almost uh, trying to apply almost superstition to the way that money behaves. And he kind of, he, he sort of said that you, you have to acknowledge it and understand that those are impulses in your in your mind. Don't pretend that they're not there, but do compensate for them. Recency bias is a massive thing in our industry because people, we get the odd phone call from somebody off who's looked at us Google and they generally start with, I've seen gold's reached an all-time high. Should I be buying it? When it's the reverse opposite. And we tend to want to follow a herd where sometimes if you follow the herd, you become like the dodos and you become extinct. It's about making rational decisions. And that's why working with financial advisors, accountants, solicitors can take the emotion out of behavioral judgments because we sometimes think we know what's going to happen. We don't. I can't remember whether I mentioned this on the podcast earlier in the year, but I did see an advert on the side of a London bus. And it said, when you see crypto being advertised on the side of a bus, it's time to get in. And I thought, <laughs> it's exactly the opposite. What are you talking about? If they're advertising it on the side of a bus, it's very much not the time to start buying crypto. Firstly, where are they getting all that bus advert money from? Well, it's I never forget Simon uh, Jordan, who ran Crystal Palace, and he was a fan. And he said, the greatest way to make lose a fortune is to own a football club you support because you become irrational. And when we make investment decisions based on emotion, the headlines in the Daily Mail, you make a mistake. And it's about your long-term goal. And we've got all the research, all the statistics from Morgan Stanley, JP Morgan, Morgan uh, Morningstar to prove it. I heard uh, another one this year. This is a real uh, sound of 2023 job. I heard one this year, which very much echoes that. Somebody on Twitter said, you know, you guys, you're all naysayers. You're all making mock of Elon Musk. But mark my words, Twitter's going to make Elon Musk a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> that's somebody who's got emotionally over-invested in what he's doing. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. You have to take away the emotion with the money. The markets go up, they go down, they go sideways. But if you focus on your goal and you, and I, as I said to you earlier on the year, one of the highlights of my year was going to Chicago and I saw Damodaran, Professor Damodaran from uh, Stern Business School at New York. And he just went the Hippocratic oath should be not to fiddle, do no harm. And I think 
if we accept we're on the path for the journey, and sometimes when you get on a plane, the pilot might have to change the navigation slightly. But if you're leaving San Francisco to get to Italy, and you might need to go via a different course slightly because of turbulence, winds, all that sort of stuff, but you're on target to get to Italy. And I think sometimes we think we can second guess the market. Yeah. Well, actually, that brings us to this is something that attentive listeners who've had their had their newsletter from you, Andy, and also their chocolates and their scratch cards. Thank you very much. We were hoping someone became a millionaire. If not, we hope someone's just enjoyed the selection box. We, we haven't done our scratch card yet. I'm going to do it tonight when I get home. But on, in your newsletter, what's that graph from Professor Aswath Damodaran from the Stern Business School in New York University? And it showed, it basically, it's about meddling, isn't it? It shows what happens to a thousand pounds if you'd invested it in different trackers. And what happens if you meddle, i.e. what happens if you, if by taking money out and putting it in, you had missed out the 10 or the 20 or the 30 best days. And basically, if you put a thousand pounds in the FTSE 250 in 1986 and left it alone, it would now be worth 46,000 pounds. But if in the intervening years you'd meddled with it, and you know, missed out the ten best days. It's only worth like eleven thousand pounds. Just and that's purely for just missing ten days. Yeah, but what happens is, Andrew, people think they can second guess it, and they think they know when they can time the market. And this has been one of the issues this year with cash paying well. The key is, if cash is great for rainy day money, holidays, emergencies, but long term it won't get you to goals. And Damodarans was do no harm. If you're on track, you might need to slightly adjust a portfolio. You might need to just move some of the equities from Germany, say, into a different company. But your target is if you're a moderate or moderately risk investor, stay the course. Don't think you can second guess the market because people can't. I think that's one thing that we're actually quite lucky with in this country and that we don't have what they have in America, which is a whole television world of people screaming at the screen with shows called things like Mad Money and Crazy Finance going, get into this, get out of that, where they, they sort of portray investment almost as sports. You can't tell the difference between a TV investment channel and American football. It's all charts and screaming. Whereas over here, it's a calm fellow like yourself, Andy. Say, so just put the money here and don't worry about it. Go and have a cup of tea. I think there's so many... Um, somebody once said to me, quick rich schemes are a great way to get poor quickly. And I think people, there are some very, very smart investment gurus out there. There's some people who do really well. But the generality is that most people, if they try and second guess the market and jump in and out, lose money. And that's why you have to trust who you're working with and take a long-term perspective. And if you do that, you'll always end up making money. And when you, I've seen clients try to do it and I've seen investment managers try and second guess it. And it hurts the outcomes. The thing that I keep at the back of the mind is if you can't second guess your spouse or your kids or your cat, what makes you think you can second guess gigantic financial indices? That's my thought on that one. I know it's not useful, but it's, it's the one that I've got. The thing is, the markets are irrational. So if we behave irrational too, we make things worse. Take a measured approach, accept that markets are irrational, but behave rational. And if you have any concerns, you ring me, you ring whoever does your finances, but you don't panic. And as it goes, don't panic, Captain Mannering. If you panic, you make bad decisions. And you that's why you need to take the emotions out because I get emotionally invested in sport, but it doesn't mean I'm rational when I'm watching Celtic. I'm totally irrational. And so financially, you have to be rational.
Something else that you pointed out uh, in, in the newsletter was uh, something on the, the discrepancy between men's and women's savings on retirement. This is a bit of data from Scottish Widows. And it pointed out that uh, in 2008, the average man was retiring with a pot of £100,000 and the average woman with only £50,000, which is bad enough. And now it seems like the gap is expanding. Now it's 140,000 for women and almost 300,000 for men. So men are sort of pulling, pulling away from women. Why is this happening? Well, you, it, there's very many reasons. One is the pay gap, but often it is women not working during children, maternity leave, and maybe having a two to three or five or a 10 year career gap. The worst part about this is that when people get to retire, they've often not fully utilized for tax purposes, women's allowances. So it means one, the male may have a £30,000 pension coming in and the female 10, where the male is paying a lot more tax than he needed to. And I think there is something here that when some of your spouses, if maybe off work or has a lower paid job, that you, you put some more money into a savings pot, such as pensions, individual savings account to equalize it for the benefit of both of you when you retire. And it is a really damning statistic that something, it's one of our goals next year for everybody we work with is to try and get that better for any females who we work with. Is, is it, a, I mean, you're saying the product of the, of, of the wage gap, is it also perhaps a product of women uh, not being in working life as long as men because you know, take time off for children and so on? Yeah, it is. It's the mater- this, That's what I said. It's like the maternity gaps, the career breaks. Also, the pay gaps can help, uh, don't, no, not help, they actually hinder, but it's often the career gaps. But it's when you have that career gap, it's as a couple to sit there and go, how can we make sure I'm not suffering when I retire for inequality of income and pension? And even if you don't work, the government allow you to pay £2,880 a year into a pension. So if your spouse isn't at home, you can do that every year to start to build up the pension shortfall till they do go back into the workplace. There's almost certainly going to be an election next year, but we can't bank on it. They could actually somehow push it into next year, apparently, into 2025 which it sounds unbelievable to me. Some people, however, are thinking that the election could be as early as May. What are you expecting from what might be the last few months of this Conservative government? I think it's interesting that with an election coming up, there's a lot of people positioning for votes, whether you're in government or out of government. As Dan Kemp always says from Morningstar, don't predict, just go with what's going, because if you try and second-guess it, you end up with egg on your face. But I suspect the first few months of next year will be very interesting. And some of Jeremy Hunt's tax changes, Labour have said if they get into power, they may reverse. So the pension allowance, which has gone up to 60,000, we're saying to people, if you're in the position to be able to afford it this year and next tax year, do just in case Labour do reverse it. But I think there'll be a lot of rhetoric from both sides about what they will do. Mm. Do you think inheritance tax is going to go because this is a political football which actually doesn't affect quite as many people as people think it does? I think the current government will try and raise allowances and maybe look at doing something different and Labour will say, well, a lot of our voters potentially don't pay inheritance tax, so we'll come back to it. This is the, this is where it makes planning very difficult for some people. But, and one of the best things about whatever rule is in place No government in history has ever gone back and retrospectively changed it because you can't. So if someone then gets to one and a half million in their pension pot next year and it's over the the lifetime allowance goes back to 1.2 or 1.1, they won't be able to penalise them. They might not be able to make any more contributions. And it's the same with inheritance tax. If 
somebody puts that house in a trust for inheritance tax purposes, the government who's in will not be able to change it. They just might change the allowances. So it's we always say with tax allowances, use it or lose it. So when there's a tax allowance available, use it. Otherwise, the government will take it away from you if you don't use it in the tax year it's available. Try to be as objective as possible. What do you think a new government starting in the middle of next year ought to be doing as a matter of urgency? My my 100% hope would be to do something like the American governments do, where you actually have a central bank, Fannie Mae, I think it's Freddie Mae and Fannie Mac, because there's people listening to this who've been slaughtered by the interest rate rises and they've done nothing wrong. It's just their fixed rates came to an end at the wrong time. And they've seen mortgage payments go up by 40, 50, 60% through no fault of their own, which is just unlucky. You come up to a remortgage in 2023, inflation's going through the roof, interest rates are out of control, and you're paying 6%, whereas you've come off something at 1.4, 1.3, through no fault of your own. So I'd like some government assistance, either through a central bank system to help, or uh, some subsidies, because that had nothing to do with poor financial planning. It just had everything to do with timing and being unlucky. And I think that's, it's affected an awful lot of people in a very bad way. And I don't, I don't think that's a political one for either part. I don't think it should be a conservative policy or a Labour Party. I think it should be a government policy. So that if the markets change drastically, you're not affected just because you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Finally, then, you've got some events coming up in the new year when people are thinking beyond Christmas that can uh, help listeners get a grip on their financial plans. You've got three Meet the Managers nights. Mike Coop in London on Wednesday, the 24th of January, he's going to be talking about the year ahead. Yep. Um, in Stoke-on-Trent, Niccolo Brigaza on Wednesday, the 20th of March, is that right? Yes, correct. Niccolo's coming up to Stoke-on-Trent and he's bringing Mike, well, Mike and Niccolo are coming up together. Oh, great. And they're going to be talking about making sense of the economy and looking at your future investment strategies. And on the 24th of April in Stratford-upon-Avon, Dan Kemp, long-term investing and goals, 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 goals. We think it's been an interesting year. And what we're trying to do next year is get the managers out so people can ask questions. So they're going to do a presentation and then the people who turn up, we're going to let them basically submit questions pre the meeting. And we're going to do a yeah. question and answer because there is a lot of noise out in the social media. There's a lot of noise on the press. So we're actually going to get to the heart of what's going on. And it's all well and good people listening to me or seeing somebody on a podcast or listening to them on the podcast. What I think is great that they actually get to see the people who manage their money and realize they're the same as us. They, their money's in the same investments. They're having the same conditions. So they're not somewhere else. These are people who earn a living, who are making decisions for us themselves. And it, the times we've done them in the past, they've gone down really well. So I'd encourage anyone to try and get their because I think these the lessons you can learn from them, a bit like the Sarah Newcomb, the three numbers, we can tend to overcomplicate financial matters. And meeting the managers shows you the diligence they put in. But it's also some really good strategies for long-term investing. Excellent stuff. All right, well, that's something for the new year. But in the meantime, there's Christmas to get through. So, Andy, I hope you have a good one. And you, Andrew. And I hope it brings you health, happiness and success for the new year. Fingers crossed. I'm not banking on it, but you never know. <laughs> Listeners, thanks for listening. We hope you have a, uh, a peaceful Christmas and a very prosperous new year. Remember to follow It's Your Money on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll get the next edition on your phone automatically. Have a good one. Don't overdo it. And we'll see you in 2024. 2024. I can't get my head around it. At least we don't have to write checks anymore and get the month wrong. <laughs>
that was sometimes the best part in January when you were struggling as a student. You could write it out and put the wrong date and they'd come back and you'd buy yourself another couple of weeks. I know, yeah, it was the only thing. The only thing to look forward to in January. Farewell, listeners. Happy Christmas. Thank you.